Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Orbital Takes. Today is Wednesday, June 15th. Pat, how are we doing today? I'm doing great, Chris. I saw a Top Gun over the weekend. Oh my God. Have you seen have you seen Top Gun? I haven't, but I saw the uh, trailer and apparently like all those stunts were real and everything. Oh yeah. They were oh, yeah. all fucking crazy. Dude, it is a great movie. There is a SR-72 Blackbird kind of thing. There he gets into like a spacesuit at the beginning. Oh that. man, it is awesome. I can't wait for whatever Mission Impossible movie Tom Cruise is going to be shooting at the space station. You know, that's that's gonna be coming up. But like uh, yeah, everything's good, man. How yeah, about nice. how about you? How was it's your week? Good. It was a great weekend. Did my text like totally like was that like one of the like the shittiest texts you ever received when I told you that the James Webb telescope was hit by a micrometeoroid? Yeah, dude. And then I uh, hopped on Twitter and I was like, oh, my God, like he wasn't kidding. Yeah, yeah, guys. So the James Webb telescope has been hit by a micrometeoroid. It happened on May 23rd uh, or somewhere between May 23rd and May 25th. And this damage has caused uh, a marginally detectable effect in the data, which is a huge fucking bummer. So the damage has happened to the, one of the 18 beryllium gold segments that makes up the 6.5 meter mirror. This is a really big kick in the nuts, Pat. And I was really upset about this news over the weekend. I mean, we really get one shot at this telescope to have like clean images come back to us. Yeah. And it just feels like a huge bummer, man. I mean, what are your thoughts on this? My thoughts are like how is there so much space dust out there? You know, like space is such a big place. Right. And, you know, we, we think of like, so uh, the, the distances are so vast and space is empty, but in reality, I mean, this is just proof that space isn't, isn't as empty as we think it is. Right. Uh, There's a lot of little particles and whatnot out there. And when you're traveling at these speeds that they're traveling, you know, it's man, it sucks. You know, I, I think we would have anticipated this to happen eventually, you know, maybe not before the yeah. the start of the mission, um, uh, the primary mission anyway. But uh, yeah, big bummer. Uh, I, I think they're still able to do most of the, the science. So it's not like it's going to ruin the whole thing. But yeah, definitely a bummer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they said that they expected this and they designed web to like have this margin where it could have like optical problems, thermal problems, electrical, mechanical. But they keep saying that they didn't expect this size of a piece of space rock to hit the web. Yeah. And that's where I'm confused. It's like they expected something to hit it, but they didn't expect a grain of sand uh, size micrometeoroid to hit it. That's where I'm confused about. And also NASA does this shit where they also said they had uh, previous hits too. They said there was about four smaller previous hits mm-hmm. uh, between the time that it was deployed too. I didn't hear that. Have you heard that? I mean, no, that I, the first I didn't. Time I heard that. I didn't hear that either. The space station, the solar arrays are filled with these little, little holes and you're like, shit, like this stuff actually does hit our spacecraft every once in a while. Yeah. I was also surprised, you know, you and I texted about this I was like, wait, how did NASA not plan for like something of this size? Um, maybe they didn't say, maybe they truly didn't expect something of that size to be out there. Um, but uh, that's why we do science, right? To, mm-hmm. to learn stuff. Yeah, they uh, now they have like a new team checking out the, uh, the all these like micrometeoroid strikes. And it's just, it's really, it pisses me off that NASA decides what they want to release to the public because they do this all the time with the Hubble telescope. They'll keep the images to themselves. And then like on like a, like a Valentine's day, they'll post like a heart mm-hmm. galaxy or something like that. It's like, why, why are you waiting until today? Like, well, I don't know. I kind of want the data when it comes out, but I understand that, you know, it takes time to review it and everything. This is such a big deal that people are just not really fully understanding the severity of this yet, because we cannot service this telescope. This telescope is unserviceable. Every hit that this thing gets knocked with, it's 
messing up the data that's coming back and it's ruining their overall image. They're saying that it's going to continue to uh, exceed uh, expectations. But what does that really mean? I mean, that's them just being like, everybody calm down. Our, you know, our $10 billion is still good. It's just stressful for somebody that wants like a clear photo of our universe, right? Is that too much to ask? So be careful what you wish for, Chris. There's a site on nasa.gov, the raw images of the Perseverance rover, like all the mass cam and whatnot. Like you want to see some boring photos, go there. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I think there's there's a reason why the Hubble team doesn't uh, release all the the raw images, and maybe they do. Maybe there is a, a repository of all those raw images. I know the the UAE Emirates Mars mission orbited does the same thing. There's an incredible community of uh, image processors out there that take all those and they'll make gifs out of them, or they'll make videos, or you know they'll they'll color correct. Um, and it's truly, uh, some of the, the stuff that they're able to put together is just, it's just amazing. Mm -hmm. So I can't wait to see what the James Webb team is going to be able to, to do with all that. Yeah. July 12th, we get our, uh, our first official photos back Just such horrible timing for this news, yeah. such horrible timing. And I think they're going to be able to adjust the mirrors to try to, you know, hide the, the blur. It's not going to be a blur, but to hide the, you know, effect in the data, but it's not going to be perfect. And that pisses me off, Pat. It pisses me off because it's so new. We haven't even gotten the official photos back yet. And we're already telling us that there's holes, almost holes in our telescope. I mean, so, yeah. So one of the things you said was it's not serviceable. I would say it's not serviceable dot, dot, dot yet. Yeah. yeah uh, I, I, I said that. Yeah. I think that there feasibly could be a robotic mission to L2 at some point in the somewhat near future in the next 20 years mm -hmm. to either give it a boost or, you know, I don't know how feasible it is to change out one of those mirrors. Probably not that feasible. Uh, but, you know, if it needs more fuel, uh, although the fuel reserves are, are, mm -hmm. are great for the JWST, but I would say, you know, as of now, yeah, it's not serviceable, but that doesn't mean yeah. it won't be. But Pat, would it make more sense to send a robotic to service the James Webb telescope or would it make more sense to send a JWST2 up mm. to a different point? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting thought. I think the new, uh, okay, so we're, the planet, the decadal survey that just came out, what, two weeks ago, they have a successor to the James Webb Space Telescope in there, right? They have some kind of uh, next generation telescope that is like starting to, uh, they recommend starting to research that technology now. I think that JWST 2.0 is just not feasible considering this one took how many years and is how many billions of, of dollars later. I just, uh, I think, you know, depending on how the spacecraft degrades over time, I think you know, a servicing mission is not out of the question, especially for uh, some of these commercial space companies, um, such as, you know, I think Northrop Grumman has uh, this thing called um, <clears throat> the Mission Extension Vehicle, MEV, uh, that goes up and grabs satellites and, and gives a, a propulsion element to them to be able to raise their, their, their orbit and keep the, that lifetime, that, uh, that lifespan uh, going, going forward. So I think that there could be something like that in the future for, for what, whatever we send to L2. Interesting. That's just, my, that, that's, just a, a, that's normal to take for you. Interesting take for me. It's, it was $10 billion for the initial launch. I don't understand. And we could have somebody on here to explain this to us. Why would it cost another $10 billion to just replicate what we just did? I feel like the majority of that must have been research and finding out what works yeah. and trial and error. I mean, why, 
why can't we just build another JWST for almost half the price? Maybe even like a billion dollars is so much money. The, whatever they use to with the gold plates and, you know, the tennis size sunshield, it can't be more than $2 billion, right? <laughs> I mean, maybe the launch. I, I think the launch cost is probably like the, one of the highest parts of it, right? I, I'm not familiar with what a an Ariane 6 costs to launch. Can't, can't be cheap. Can't be it, cheap. It's definitely not cheap. Yeah. You know, I, Maybe they consider Falcon Heavy for for the next one uh, to to cut some price there. I I don't think we're going to see a James Webb 2.0 anytime soon. I think it's going to be whatever the next generation is Mm -hmm. that the Decadal survey recommended. Mm -hmm. Uh, To your points, I think the JWST, a lot of that that cost was in R&D, right? Mm -hmm. This is the first time we've ever built something of of that scale. So I think it would be cheaper the the next time that you do that. But would it be worth it? I think that the the next one is... uh, I think it's supposed to be a Hubble 2.0. Mm-hmm. It's more more of a, a an upgrade to not an upgrade, but a, an upgraded Hubble telescope. Yeah, and uh, we're not completely out of the woods yet. The only way I think that we would send a JWST two would be if this telescope continues to get fucked up to the point where it's like it doesn't work, unusable right? or something. Unusable, and, yeah. and it's it needs to weather the space environment, right? So that includes harsh ultraviolet light. You got charged particles from the sun. You got cosmic rays from exotic sources in the galaxy. I mean, it's dealing with bullshit. <laughs> it's dealing <laughs> so it's dealing with so much bullshit. So. Stay tuned. I mean, it's not out of the woods yet. Pray for the James Webb Telescope because it, it it's a stressful time right now for a space fan to want to unlock the secrets of the universe. And it's hilarious to think that a tiny piece of space dust could be the difference between us getting a clear view of you know the past in our cosmos and pretty much you know a, an unworking telescope. It's ten billion dollars. Having said all that, uh, we should point out that the mission team is not concerned right now they said they're still going to get all the science done uh the photos are still going to be spectacular Mm -hmm. but i think if you continue to see these these micrometeoroid hits you know that's obviously going to take a toll on it but it should be pointed out that that as of right now that they're saying that it's still you know good to go yeah yeah yeah. they're saying that however they're saying that (laughs) if this happened i mean it launched in december they only recently deployed you know the mirrors and everything recently a couple months within a couple months if they're getting you know size impacts that they weren't expecting what does the future hold for the next 10 years? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the mission was going way too well. Everything had gone <laughs> yeah. perfectly yeah, yeah. and like better than perfectly. And yeah. it was bound to have a screw up at some point. All right. And moving along, the biggest space news of the week is with SpaceX and Starship. Monday, the FAA concluded a long awaited assessment of SpaceX. Finally. Starship rocket program in Texas. In a press release, the FAA noted that SpaceX would be required to take more than 75 actions to mitigate the environmental impacts that the company can, before the company can receive its launch license. So SpaceX basically needs this license to conduct a further Starship flight test and begin operational launches from their private facility. This is massive news. Is in your mind, is this a W or is this just another hurdle that we're gonna? It's just gonna take us even longer to get over. Huge W. Uh, there are more hurdles to uh, to jump over, certainly. Uh, the 75 that you just pointed out. But the fact that they didn't go into a full environmental review of it, where it's like, hey, this is over the course of the next three years. Here's all the steps that you have to take. Mm-hmm. It's nothing like that. So I think all these 75... Uh, it's, it, you know, this was just released um, within the last 24 hours. So the, a lot of, uh, and SpaceX has only said we are one step closer to Starship launch. So we don't right. actually know what this, the timeline for all this stuff is, right? Mm-hmm. But the fact that they're not pressing forward with the, the full environmental review, 
that a lot of this stuff, you know, uh, one of the things that they said, you know, for example, is, hey, let's shuttle Starship or Starbase employees in instead of just having everyone drive there. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that is that's one of the 75 things that's so easily it, so easily fixed. Mm-hmm. Some of the things are not as easy, uh, of course. Um, one of the things I know was uh, they were requiring the SpaceX team to look into the Mexican-American war and the civil war because yeah. of significant battles that were fought uh, around or near Boca Chica, which is just quite bizarre. So uh, wrong answers only here, Spo, but what lessons do you think SpaceX needs to figure out before Starship launches? Wow. I mean, if, if, if we're going just by the leader of SpaceX, I mean, if you're saying wrong answers only, I would say Elon needs to do his homework or just take more lessons on just how to be a normal human, like basic interaction, maybe dress, <laughs> maybe style, maybe haircuts, you know, small things like that. Uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I think the, they should le- he should have to learn like the history of the Alamo. You know, does he's from South Africa? Does he know what happened at the Alamo? He's probably heard of it. He's a smart guy. Maybe he does. Uh, He should learn, you know, where's the nearest Whataburger? Yeah. You know, and we're in the state of Texas. Every time I go to the state of Texas, I have to hit up a Whataburger. So, you know, stuff like that is not insignificant, uh, clearly. Uh, That's right. You know, one of the things they also they also set forth was the uh, using Starlink to uh, host wildlife surveillance Mm -hmm. so basically setting up like a webcam using starlink and saying hey do you want to check out the wildlife preserves around boca chica here's one of the our our webcams Mm -hmm. so from that aspect i think it's it's that while doesn't have anything to do of course with the actual launch of starship i think that's 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 fine right it's it's improving the environment around it it's uh, appeasing a lot of people however you sent me an article today where uh, a significant number of local residents were feel like the FAA slighted them, right? Yeah, yeah, that was interesting. And so for the people who don't know, this news of the special requirements went viral on Twitter and, you know, everybody was talking about it. And what you said about the report on the Mexican and civil wars, I thought was hilarious. Why would they add that? I mean, it makes no uh, sense. It's bizarre, dude. Yeah. yeah. Some, it's bizarre. Of, some of the other big ones you just brought up was the highway pull-off and platform for viewing wildlife. So SpaceX is actually required to build a wildlife crossing road. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's like, okay, you want, the FAA is basically saying, oh, you want to go interplanetary? Make sure the ducks and geese have a, you know, a nice crossing pass so they don't, mm-hmm. they don't get run over mm-hmm. here. I mean, right? I mean, yeah. they're going to also have to cut a big check to these wildlife preserves. And that's pretty easy, though. I mean, you know, it's, it's work- not that big. It's uh, five grand a year, which I was like, Nothing. Hey. Yeah, I was like, just five grand? How about yeah. like 50 grand? Like that yeah. that might actually make some impact. I don't, I don't know what the hell five grand or a year is going to do for these wildlife uh, areas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some of the improvements are will help improve things around there. Um, like you said, the things that have to do with wildlife. And um, it, there's also just, yeah, some, some really weird um, requirements that, that they mm-hmm. handed down. All right, on the record, Pat, and we're going to come back and play this over and over again. When does Starship launch its first orbital flight test? I'm going to say November of, of this year, November 2022. Why do you what think do you that? Think? Uh, I think that because we're nowhere near seeing the hardware ready for flight, right? You know, we have the actual flight articles, or at least SpaceX has said, hey, this booster is likely going to be the first orbital booster. This ship is going to be the first orbital ship. I think it's ship 24 and mm-hmm. booster 10. Uh, mm-hmm. I could have my numbers wrong there, but they've identified those, right? Those haven't been 
mated together yet. Mm-hmm. They're going through tanking tests and stuff like that, but the whole thing is going to have to be stacked and static fired and all that stuff. We're not seeing any of that presently. So let's just say we start seeing that tomorrow. When's the earliest that they could launch if, if we started, you know, tomorrow? Uh, they still have a, a, an FAA launch license. They uh, still have to do all these 75 things uh, to appease the FAA. So I'm going to give, you know, 60 days to get half of those done, you know, yeah. another 60 days, to get the other half. Um, you know, I think by then the hardware will, hardware will be ready, but you know, who knows how long the launch line is going to take. So um, yeah, you know, I, I'm going to say um, end of no, end of November, 2022, like basically, you know, five months from now. Pat, I'm not bullshitting you. I have November 2022 written in my notes right here for the same Great exact reason. Great minds think alike, bro. That's why we have the podcast. That's they why need, we have the podcast. They need to make all these changes flawlessly. Flawlessly. Yeah. And then they need to apply for the license to launch. And they haven't even started building the second launch pad yet, right? Like, that's not even, that hasn't even been started yet. And then it takes a couple months if any if any lawsuits happen like that. So mm-hmm. you're right. Six, you know, add 60 days, 60 days, 60 days. We're already in September. I, I expect so something to go wrong between in September and mm-hmm. October, November is when we go down to Boca Chica for the first orbital launch. That's when we're going to be there. You heard it here first on orbital takes November, 2022 first orbital launch flight test. And it's going to be go. wild. Yeah. yeah be wild. I, I really think Elon's going to push to have it done this year, considering the, uh, the, his timeline at the beginning of the year, that was, you know, uh, we expect an orbital uh, starship test in March. And, you know, it is now June 14th, uh, June 15th, uh, the day this come, this podcast comes out. So, you know, his, his timelines are always super optimistic, shall Mm -hmm. we say, but uh, I I love, that's one of the things I, I, I enjoy about Elon uh, Mm -hmm. is, is the, is the optimism, but I think he'll, he'll push to have one, Mm -hmm. certainly one test this year. And when was the last Starship test? like back in November, you know, so wild, dude. yeah. So we're going to go a significant amount of time without a starship test. So I think he's going to be like, you know what? We have to get one in the next 12 months. That's of course, pure speculation on our part, but that's, that's, you know, that's my opinion. The FAA is being a real pain in our ass with this. You know what I mean? In my mind, I think the only reason they're doing this shit is because of cancel culture. They don't want to be canceled by the people who love the sea turtles down in, you know, Boca Chica. They don't want to be canceled by the local people. And, and it makes sense. You know, we're living in this cancel culture where if anything goes wrong, you know, they're basically, you know, put on a pedestal and, and flamed. But I mean, it's just the FAA is standing between, you know, Elon and making life multiplanetary in a shorter amount of time. And, and there's no, that that's it yeah i would love to know what the community around starbase really thinks yeah i don't know if we are able to pull up um and this is just a rhetorical thing any opinions on on what they have said to the faa i know there was a comment period that the faa had i would love to know you do the does the community see us as a net positive or net negative because they're i they're making life like you said multi-planetary that's the efforts that we're seeing around starbase but it clearly affects the locals that live there yeah and the fa said that they uh spacex basically needs to migrate the air quality the noise pollution the light pollution the cultural resources the transportation the water usage the animal life all that basically sounds like the same problems we have here in fucking manhattan new york city so <laughs> i mean at the end of the day, is this all really worth it to, you know, slow down making life multiplanetary, putting some life insurance on the human race or what? Yeah. 
yeah, that's that's a question for people who live down there you know for, <laughs> for from where i'm sitting like yes let's go let's go, Ball, go yeah. balls to the wall like let's yeah. go yesterday yeah but no. i don't live down there so that. Mm. all right a uh an emergency update here we're sitting here we just wrapped up uh the orbital takes episode five and got a text space.com it says spacex starship will be ready for force for first orbital flight in july elon musk says I don't know about that though, Pat. Let's, I mean, I was, let's yeah, let's well, let's so take a, let's take a quick timeout, okay? Elon also said he expected no earlier than March for yeah. the the, yeah. the the orbital one or the the first orbital uh, test. But then the FAA the FAA was the wild card, right? What if there's something to uh, that the FAA needs for the launch license that. Uh, delays it even further so i think you know it's probably sooner than november <laughs> yeah <laughs> clearly uh yeah let's say like july or august yeah, yeah like like first half of august that's what i'm going with I'll, I'll tell you what you want an orbital take we disagree with you elon all right we're saying fucking yeah. november we know right? starship better than you elon all clearly. right oh shit no we were just sitting here laughing and we we're like we gotta hop back on it and, and talk about this but there you have it see this has been on. an orbital takes ot <laughs> this has been an orbital takes ot we're sticking with november we don't care what elon says <laughs> we'd love to see it earlier but for now november 22 starship's going orbital orbital takes will be there